JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y! Yes, sir! Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit different today, different but exciting, because Monday Night Football is back in Indy. You guys are fired up, and I'm going to give you a variety of reasons why you should hang in and be fired up, because not only am I broadcasting live, I'm in Fishers today. Our Buffalo Wild Wings Blue Monday finds us in Fishers, 116 in Oleo, a stone's throw Away from Geist is our location today. We'd love to see you up here. In fact, we have an autographed helmet, a Colts helmet to give away. We also have a pair of tickets to the upcoming Chargers-Colts game as well. So we have tickets to give away, and we have an autographed helmet. So we want to make sure you get in here and get prepared with the great food and the ice-cold Bud Light they have here inside the Buffalo Wild Wings location. Again, around the – it's not – the 116 in Oleo, basically, right here. I don't know what this is, guy something or other out here, but 116 in Oleo is where we are in Fishers, and I would love to see you out here. If you're not going downtown, maybe you're not going to the game, then this is the place that you need to be, especially in the Geist area. We would love to see you. Now, I will also tell you this. I got a couple of things to give away beyond this, too. And this is from my friend Kyle Kinnett of BullseyeEventGroup.com. And the Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. On the fly, I am going to, if Kyle reminds me, and by the way, Kyle Udemark is back. We'll get to Kyle in just a second after his vacation. But I'm going to try to do this on the fly so some of you that are going down will be able to participate in the best tailgate known to man, the Colts VIP tailgate before the start of this game later on tonight, because as you probably noticed, there will be a great deal of excitement there. So I'm going to try to give those away on the fly to some of you so you can get yourselves in and pregame 
before the Monday night football game itself. And there is no doubt there is a great deal of suspense. And I know because I feel you. I know that you're saying there is no way in the world this team is going to make the postseason. No way this. No, yeah. well, I agree. I agree. But you go into this game, and here's the difference. The difference is if you go in and you lose tonight, then you're done. You're absolutely positively without question, you're done. Now, if you go in and do what you should do at home against, I'm sorry, a bad Pittsburgh team, even though the Colts are also a bad team, but if you do what you should be able to do on Monday night football, I mean, everybody around here has cried about Monday night football forever. Oh, Monday night football, get Monday night football here. So everybody needs to bring it, including this football team. Because this football team this season has been much more of a letdown from top to bottom than it has been anything that would still keep your interest if they were to lose, which basically they're done. If they win, then they're still at least mathematically, uh, don't ask me to do the mathematics because I'm not, mathematically alive. At least you can still talk about it. But if they lose, I mean, come on. I know where you are with this team, and I know that this this lengthy Thanksgiving break probably didn't do too much for you, but the fact remains that you have Pittsburgh in town. You haven't beaten them since I worked at a different radio station. You haven't beaten them since the guy that runs the team right now is actually playing for the team back then, and really, when you look at it against the Steelers, it has been a clown show. It has been a clown show in the past because this team, and I told Tony Katz this on WIBC this morning when I was on, I said they have lost. Actually, maybe it had been Hagen last night I told this to. I can't remember. It might have been Hagen on Fox 59. I said they have lost in a variety of ways. They've actually had to sit back and think of ways to screw this up against this Steelers team, and it would just be nice. Even in a season where most of you have lost hope, it would be nice to go ahead and try to bring something back and beat a Steelers team when you really should beat a Steelers team, not jack around and screw around until late and lose it late. When you think about this team, you go back to that game against the Eagles, a double-digit lead for the second consecutive week. They weren't able to finish. The Colts eight one-score games this season. Eight one-score games. 3-4-1 and one in those games. They've lost two games by one point. This team was like me back in the 90s, completely unable to close. It'd be nice if they would do it against a team that in a variety of ways, in so many fashions, has done them in. Seriously, you can go back to look at Brian Hoyer, I mean, Vinatieri, all this different stuff has factored in to this team screwing around and finding a way to lose, for the most part, against this Steeler team led by Mike Tomlin. So you're saying, listen, this Pittsburgh team has been pretty bad. There's no doubt about that. But so is this Colts team. Here's what this Pittsburgh team brings to the table that I'd be concerned about above all else, and that is what the Colts have done horrifically this season and that is protect the passer and protect the passer, really in a variety of ways. And there are a lot of people we can blame for this. The coaching staff, first and foremost, you can blame them for the decisions that were made to give or to bring us to this point with the personnel 
and how they have dealt with knowing that this personnel is completely inadequate and not ever giving any help to that personnel. Give you a great example. So how long are we going to go tonight before Bernard Ryman, who's a rookie, continues to get worked over and worked over and worked over before they give the guy a little bit of help? Are they going to have to give help on the other side? They're going to have to give help to the other side at right tackle as well. I mean, you got, they have edge rushers that will scare you. In fact, the next two weeks, edge rushing and getting after the quarterback that should scare a team like the Colts, given how bad this team has played, especially in that position in mind this season. I'm not trying to give you any false hope. I'm just trying to tell you that it's about time. And no, it's not like the stars are aligning, because if the stars were aligning, the Colts would actually be good. The Colts would actually give themselves an opportunity in this season or play much better to this point. There's no stars aligning, but this Pittsburgh team, this Pittsburgh team on the road here for the first time in what feels like forever should be a team that you should have a legitimate chance to beat. But we know this, and this is to be true, this Colts team has found a myriad of reasons and ways to maneuver about to screw themselves this season. And that is yet another reason why you look at it and you go, all right, you're trying to say that there's a little bit of hope, and that's why you're a non-believer. And for that, I don't blame you. At some point, this team is going to have to give you a little bit to think about, a little bit more than the Raiders to think about, a little bit of a reason to believe, and it has been fleeting this season. Not nearly enough to do it. But again, Monday night, and again, everybody's been crying about a Monday nighter and primetime games. Here you go. I am disappointed. One of these days, I want to see a Manning cast, and I feel myself as a huge promoter of the Manning cast because I do enjoy it. Now, I don't know if I enjoy it as much now as I did when it was new, and this is kind of how we are, right? I mean, you guys all pretty much think I suck now, but, man, when I first started, oh, yeah, great, now you oh, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I'm still as invested as I once was, but to me, if I'm going to watch something on Monday night, it's going to be that. And at some point, I would love to see the brothers Manning do a Colts game. And I know the reasons why I'm sure Peyton Manning doesn't want to do a Colts game. And maybe when the schedule came out, he didn't want to have to be critical of Frank Reich, a guy that he had a great deal of input in, in that decision-making to bring Frank Reich here and things weren't going well. And then you saw the season dissolve in the fashion in which it did. And, you know, for the first time ever, Jim Ursay made a change during the season. I'm telling you, though, can you imagine if you had the Manning cast tonight and you had you know, the, the former center as the interim head coach of the team where stardom was found for the quarterback, a future Hall of Famer, where a Super Bowl was won, where you had two Super Bowl appearances, where everybody leans back, including the owner, and views it as the absolute golden era as to one of the chief reasons why you know, the interim head coach and Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach right now who either is trying to prove himself in that capacity or in some other capacity right now. And that is missing. One of these days I would love it, but especially tonight when there's not a great deal, it's not a complete pride game. All right, there's still a little something on the line, don't get me wrong. I mean, who knows? This season has been weird the way that it is anyway. 
I mean, hell, yesterday you saw the Seahawks, some dude celebrating. It was it Daryl Taylor that ran out from the sideline and then kind of acted like he was just a party, wanted to blend, <laughs> wanted to blend in like he was actually on the field. And the great part about it is, is the officials completely missed it. My man just runs off. And I'm, I'm a, I look back at that play yesterday, I'm thinking, why is that not tried more? Why don't they try that more? Just run somebody off the sideline in there really quick. See if the officiating notices it. But seriously, it's more than prideful tonight. Don't get me wrong. Man, would it be that much better if there was actually a Manning cast going on now? I know that locally, and I really care about the radio. I want you to listen to the radio aspect of this. And the radio aspect is going to be on 97.1 Hank FM. I will, with this show and then at 5.30, the Colts pregame huddle, I and we will take you there. But game time-wise, you're going to hear this on Hank FM. You're here. Actually, it's on Hank FM anyway. It's on 97.1 anyway, but you're going to hear it tonight on Hank FM because on this station later on this evening, of course, the Pacers, the second of two in what used to be known as the Staples Center. It's crypto something or other now. What is it now, Zach? Crypto Magnesia, Pepto Bismol Arena is what it is now. Um, they got the second of two. <laughs> Yesterday afternoon, I don't know if the fellas just like got off the plane loaded on the bus and went directly there, but that's exactly how they looked. But I, you know, when you, when you have to play against Wilt Chamberlain Zubots, you know that that's problematic is what we witnessed last night, which was pretty funny. I, actually, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny for me, but um, Zubots went all Wilt Chamberlain numbers, and there you have it. The bad, bad day. But no, the second of two in L.A., for the Pacers coming up later on tonight, and you can hear that right here, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. I just want to make sure everybody knows where these games are for you coming up later on tonight. Got to make sure. Got to make sure that you're a part of it, both this for the Colts on 97.1 Hank FM. Again, that's after us. I will take you to the coverage on 97.1 Hank FM, and then, obviously, with the Pacers, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan, the Pacers and the Lakers. Last check, I believe LeBron James is playing tonight, but the question mark is Anthony Davis. The second of seven, what is a historic Western road swing of the better part of two weeks for the Pacers coming up later on tonight. And frankly, um, as much love as we've given this team that I guess to most has been surprising, uh, people say all the time, oh, you owe us. You owe us an apology or whatever. Uh, fat chance you're ever going to get that. But I think the Pacers do owe the fans a little bit better of a performance, certainly tonight, than what you witnessed yesterday afternoon against the L.A. Clippers. No Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George. And the blue and gold, surprising or not, got absolutely worked over. And worked over by Zubots. They got Zubots yesterday afternoon in Southern California. So, again, 97.1 Hank FM for the game time right here. That's Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Lara Overton right here, which follows me here on this show, 5.30 until 7.30. That's the Colts pregame huddle. That's where you're going to find us up until game time. 97.1 Hank FM is where you can hear the Steelers and the Colts right here. And then, of course, you get the Pacers and the Lakers from L.A. coming up later on tonight on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. All right, two three nine ten seventy is the number. I'd love, great to see. You. I'd love to see you guys jump in on me regarding this Monday night game. Uh, expectations for it. 
um, how you view it. I mentioned that it's a more than just pride type of game. But I want to dive into that. And some of the ways you can look at it, because I think with a loss at home tonight, this goes from highly disappointing to a blank show type of season. Because you look at the Cowboys, you look at yeah, the Chargers, arguably the Vikings, uh, whatever the Giants are going to look like still on the schedule. This goes from however you want to look at it. This goes from highly disappointing to a blank show. And with the win, what it does is it's not going to reaffirm total belief in this team. But at the same time, at least it's going to give you a little bit of hope. And with this team, you've been riding hope for a long time. You know that ultimately you're going to get let down. But at least it will prolong some hope. Some hope for you with the remainder of the season. So we'll talk about that coming up. Hey, a quick shout-out to Matt Painter and the Boilermakers, and a quick shout-out to Jeff Brom and the Boilermakers, first with football. And this is where I'm going to give you something coming up a little bit later on with Kyle Kinnett and our friends at the Bullseye Event Center. So you saw on Friday, um, Iowa screwed the pooch, as many of us thought Iowa would do at home against Nebraska, opened up the door wide. And the Boilermakers, outside of not a great football first half in the old Oak and Bucket game down in Bloomington, took advantage of IU in the second half. Uh, Dexter Williams, the quarterback that went down, certainly had a great deal to do with that, but more than likely they were going to take advantage of this IU team anyway. So they move on. And how about that? Purdue, football-wise, is playing in the Big Ten title game. Honestly, I don't care. If I'm a Purdue fan, I don't care if they get worked. You watch Michigan and Ohio State on Saturday. Michigan showed me a level of offense I thought that we would not see from them. I expected that level of offense from Ohio State. I expect those big play, that big play capability from that Buckeye offense. And, man, you got that from Michigan. So they're probably for Purdue is no worse time in the world to have to play Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. But you know what? That doesn't matter whatsoever because what are you going to do? You're going to roll into Indy coming up on Saturday. You're going to roll the dice and take your chances on Saturday night. Who cares? Just want to give yourself an opportunity. You work your ass off the entire year to get an opportunity like this. So who cares? They may get worked. They may get blown off the field. But who cares? Took advantage of it so far. And we'll see what they'll do coming up on Saturday. And by the way, Kyle, something else you need to remind me of over the course of this show. I have, they're having a party at the Bullseye Event Center. This is a party before the Big Ten title game coming up on Saturday. So what time is that game? Is that an 8 o'clock start, right? So we're going to fire this bad boy up, Kyle, at around 5 p.m. at the Bullseye Event Center. All you can eat, all you can drink, the same pregame party. But they're going to do it for the Boilermakers and the Wolverines. And if you're a Boilermaker fan, for example, and you're going to this game and you want to party, All week long, including today, I am the place for you to party. I've got your pregame festivities coming up thanks to Kyle Kinnett and the Bullseye Event Center. That's bullseyeeventgroup.com. It's kind of the same thing you're going to see later on tonight before the Colts game, right? But it's going to be for that Big Ten title game. 
So I've got passes, not just today, but all week long for you, Boilermaker fans, or maybe even Michigan fans, to all come together and have yourself a pregame party beyond belief coming up on Saturday. I believe the doors will open at around 5 p.m. on Saturday, and then obviously you guys can party it up until you cross the street and go over to Lucas Oil Stadium for that Big Ten title game. But, no, a shout-out to the Boilermaker football program. And let me tell you this. Matt Painter and the Boilermaker basketball program. And I know that you've heard this from me, and I know you've heard this from others. And, again, I and they don't matter either. I've watched enough Gonzaga to know that there's no way Gonzaga is as good as they have been. doesn't matter. You've watched enough Duke to know that Duke wasn't what Duke certainly was with Bancaro and Mark Williams, among others, a year ago. You know what? doesn't matter. Because there is nobody, and I mean nobody in college basketball. I feel secure because I've watched so much over the past four days plus to tell you that nobody is playing at the level right now better than Matt Painter's team. I mean nobody. Individually, collectively, and I know you want to be playing this way when it truly does matter at the end of the Big Ten regular season and then into the month of March. And I know I have a lot of Boilermaker fans saying, oh, I just I, I don't want to fall in love with this because I'm afraid I'm going to get St. Petered. All right, don't worry about being St. Petered. Go with the flow of what you've seen right now. And what you have seen in the past week is the best team in college basketball. That's what you've seen. I, I know Virginia. I know easy. I know Virginia. But what you have seen is the best team in college basketball. Long way to go. You're not going to get any awards. They're not going to hand out any rings like they do in youth sports right now. But you have to feel good if you're a Boilermaker fan about a team that has an individual guy in Zach Eady playing at that level, and then collectively, both he and people around him. It just seems like that right now they have an answer at every position. Every position of need, they have an answer. And who knows how that's going to hold out. And other teams may step up. Other teams may step up and be different. I mean, maybe at the end of it all, Gonzaga may look a lot better. I just don't think Gonzaga is going to look a lot better with the supporting cast for Drew Timmy. They just they don't have enough around them right now. And they lost a lot as well. You know, Duke is probably going to get better. But, man, there is no team playing better collectively than what you saw in the Boilermakers. And here's to hoping that continues. You talk about the Pacers being fun to watch. Talk about the Pacers being fun to watch, you know, being enjoyable to watch, really, you know, really enjoy playing with one another. You truly don't know if they do enjoy playing with one another. It's just what you see. That's what we believe. And that's what you also see with Purdue. Maybe it doesn't last. I mean, maybe one of these days somebody's going to get mad because they're not getting enough clock. But right now, it seems to, puzzle piece-wise, all fit. That was as fun as an enjoyable a two-game span. And really, if you go all the way back to West Virginia, because that wasn't easy, West Virginia, they beat Marquette as well early in the season. But West Virginia, Gonzaga, if you stayed up and watched that Gonzaga game, on Thanksgiving night, that was just some outstanding basketball. And then they backed it up yesterday. And it's not like that they just barely squeaked by. 
I mean, John Shire, and you're number one. You got to give him credit, I guess. He threw everybody, everything but the kitchen sink at him defensively. I mean, everybody was fouling out. Everybody on the interior was getting fouls, and that's probably what stands out to me. Like I would expect a twenty and ten plus game for Zach Eady, but I would also expect him to have to sit because of foul difficulties. And it doesn't seem like in these games so far that that has been an issue whatsoever. He's just kind of going out there and playing. And I don't know if that's, the, you know, the fact that the officiating, you know, adjusts to a you know, 7-4 guy or what. But that has been, at times, a logical issue that didn't seem like it was an issue whatsoever. But if you watch Duke yesterday, I mean, they're throwing a zone at him, a little uh, full-court zone press. Remember a year ago when Purdue all of a sudden got pressed and there was just pants crapping going on all over the place? There was no pants crapping going on yesterday. And you have to admit, when Duke first started that and cut into that lead, that zone was helping. But you know what the Boilermakers did? The Boilermakers adjusted. The Boilermakers adjusted with their group. I thought that was impressive. That was as impressive of a three-game span that I have seen in a while. And Boilermaker fans, you have every reason to be excited about what should be coming at you for this season. All right. Quick break, and we'll come back. 239-1070 is the number. I'd love to hear from you. You can jump on here with the variety of topics I have for you, whether it's Monday Night Football, the Steelers and the Colts, what actually is in the balance, hanging in the balance, if you will, with this team, the Colts, coming up later on tonight. We can hit that if you guys want. The rest of the weekend and the NFL going all the way back to Thanksgiving we can certainly do that. And a quick shout-out to all the high school football champions. I watched the majority of Friday and Saturday, and it was some high-level stuff. High-level stuff. All the way. Lutheran here locally, Center Grove here lo- locally. Chittard again reestablishing. I know that Whiteland was close. I'll tell you what impressed me about Whiteland. They filled the joint up. I don't know if anybody was in Whiteland on Saturday night. To me, they had by far the biggest crowd. That was impressive. Like everybody in Whiteland was supporting that team. And what that came down to was uh, basically, I guess, who kind of had the ball last between Whiteland and Valpo because neither of the defenses could really get a stop. But no. Shout out to everybody this weekend for what was a fantastic Friday and Saturday of high school football state finals. Everybody here on the radio, I know Jimmy did a game as well. Uh, People on the radio here, TV as well, Greg Rakestraw. Uh, Joe Polizzi was doing it. Rich Nye was doing some sideline. Pat Boylan was doing some sideline. Just a job well done out of everybody. That's what makes Friday and Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend so incredibly special. All right, we are at 116 in Oleo on what is a Buffalo Wild Wings Blue Monday. With our friends at Bud Light, I've got tickets, Chargers, Colts tickets to give away, autographed helmets to give away, and I've got some bullseye passes, not just for tonight, but for the Big Ten championship game on Saturday as well. I'll let you know when it's your cue to call in and win. Otherwise, I want to get your thoughts. Jake Query coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Ray Fittipaldi, I believe, for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He covers the Steelers. We'll get a little insight from him coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. And remember, we bail for the Colts pregame huddle at 5.30 later on tonight. So 116 in Oleo. It is a Buffalo Wild Wings 
Balloon Monday. Love to see you here. Love to hear from you. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Shout out to everybody there. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Bullish Branch hanging and banging with you until the 8 o'clock hour. Coming up, we have artists such as Living Color and the Fine Young Cannibals right now. Here's Roxette, The Look, 89.9 WROL. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We are in Fishers today, not too far from Geist. 116 in Oleo, Buffalo Wild Wings, Blue Monday. I'm going to handle everything. I am going to direct. I'm going to direct this program and then the Colts pregame huddle. So I'm going to be talking with you at you until 730 tonight. That's when we move along down the line with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Lara Overton for countdown to kickoff. I've got a lot to give away to. I'll reestablish what we're giving away on the air coming up in a minute. But again, Brittany and Zach have for you an autographed Colts helmet and Chargers Colts tickets we shall give away here on this Blue Monday, courtesy of Buffalo Wild Wings. A great place if you're up here in Fishers to watch Monday Night Football featuring the Steelers and the Colts coming up later on tonight. Before I get to the calls at 239-1070, let's welcome back after a week-long vacation absence one Kyle Udemark. Kyle, welcome back. We miss you a great deal. How was your time off? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, some good uh, time away. I had my nine-year-old niece stay with us, though, so that kept me pretty busy. So I was actually kind of exhausted. So it's good to be back. All right, cool. There's nothing like a vacation where you're more tired from the vacation than you would have been had you just worked in the first place, right? Yeah, it's kind of strange how that works out, right? It is. It always works out that way. Yeah, I'd mentioned this. Actually, I was off from Wednesday. Check that. I'm sorry. I was on Wednesday. I was off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that was the first four-day stretch. I've actually been off and off the air for four days consecutively going all the way back three and a half years ago. I can't tell you if it felt good or not. I don't know. Like, I missed doing the JMV takeover on Saturday. That was weird. And you guys let me know how weird it was for you, too. I appreciate that. And I called in, I guess I called in to WIBC on the Home and Garden Show and gave them an epic conversation on Saturday morning with Pat Sullivan. By the way, Sullivan Hardware and Garden on Friday was epic. Let me tell you that. If you're going anywhere for Christmas, looking for a Christmas tree of any kind, any Christmas gift-giving ideas, that's Sullivan Hardware and Garden for you. The uh, Black Friday festivities was absolutely fantastic. Promise. Great time there to be had by all. All right, 239-1070. I promise some calls. Cody, jump on here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Cody, I'm great. Good. I want to call. I'm a big Hoosier fan, so I'm going to get to them in a second, but I want to touch on Purdue. So, I mean, watching them last year, especially at the IU game last year, I looked like Jaden Ivey was a big part of their offense. And now that he's gone, phenomenal talent. He was a big ISO guy, so it seems like without him, Purdue is actually a better, more complete team. Would you agree that that plays a significant role in what they're doing this year? Uh, Two things that stand out, and one, Cody, you're absolutely right, because I think 
you get a lot of dudes that when you have a talent on your team like Ivy, and clearly he was that talent, you kind of sit and you watch when he has the basketball in different moments. You can kind of sit and watch him or prepare to watch him do what he does. And that's not at all what this Boilermaker team was. And I think also from the Ivy who played 19 minutes per a year ago, now he's playing 29 minutes per and having to split time. He and Travion Williams a year ago never on the floor at once. When, that, when you get Ivy and first out there and they fit, I think that that is just better for this team than the setup that they had a year ago, even with that incredible level of talent that they had in Ivy and a very good player in Williams. Absolutely. I, I agree. I was at the game last year, the IU-Purdue uh, game, and, I mean, he puts on a show. But you could tell the synergy there wasn't as much just because, again, he'd take the ball. Uh, you know, he'd go on a high so the fans would make him mad, and he'd just go for it. Um, the second question, I'm a big IU guy. So you're saying that you think Purdue is the best team in the country. Do you really think that they could beat Indiana when they meet? I think Indiana's a more complete team personally. Um, I, listen, from what I've, I'm just going by what I've seen right now. And Purdue looks to me at this moment in the college basketball season as the most complete. Would I give Indiana an opportunity? Yeah. I mean, I'd give a lot of teams an opportunity. I'm just talking about this moment with this team. The best team right now as we sit here and talk about it is Purdue. And, you know, this is all going to change. It always has and it always will. But as of right now, to me, from top to bottom, from what you're looking for in the best team in the country – Purdue not only looks to be that part, but they've proven it on the floor so far this early season. I agree. I mean, can't argue with the numbers. Absolutely cannot. Cody, I appreciate the call. Enjoy the game tonight. Yeah, thank you. Take care. All right, 239-1070. By the way, the game tonight, 97-1 Hank FM. Once we go to the Colts game itself, that's when you know 97-1 Hank FM. And remember, 93-5 and 107-5 has a 10 o'clock pregame show for you with the Pacers and the Lakers from Pepto-Bismol Arena, which it was, I think, yesterday for the Pacers if you watched them play against the Clippers. I love watching the Pacers so far. I didn't love that at all. And when you had uh, Wilt to Stilt Zubots out there doing what Zubots was doing, that didn't make my day any better. So... Pacers bounce back, and really these these seven, now six games on this Western road swing, and you got to take them when you can get them. We'll see if Anthony Davis plays for the Lakers tonight. He was a question mark going in. LeBron James certainly expected to play. Sean is up next at 239-1070. Sean, welcome to the show. Hello, JMV. A couple things. I want to shout out to the Whiteland uh, Warriors High School football team. Uh, one of the things I do, JMV, is I'm a substitute teacher. And so yep. I've had the unique experience to watch a lot of these young men go from the fifth grade all the way up till now. So that's pretty cool. Also, Coach Darren Fisher and his staff, I've had yep. a chance to work alongside them, whether it was their strength and conditioning program as a sub when I took on a long-term assignment. And uh, they've always treated me with the utmost respect and kindness. So I'm very happy for what they were able to accomplish. Just fell a little bit short in that championship game, but very proud of them. Uh, next thing is my daughter. I want to wish her a happy birthday. Uh, she's a 17-year-old track star. I'm always bragging about on the YouTube chat. Sure. And uh, so, so yeah, I am. Uh, hey, Sean, who are you on the YouTube chat? Sean, who are you on the YouTube chat? Shout out to Sean Rogers and Sean Rogers' track star daughter right there. Happy birthday. 
Well, thank you very much, JMV. So that's pretty much the gist of my call today. And also, right, one more yeah, thing. If, you could, if yeah. you could for me, when other songs call in, could you include a last name or something? Because last week I got all kinds of crap for some other song calling in right before me. And that really sucked. <laughs> Sorry about that. I know yeah, that was the uh, that was the Sean that called in and wanted me to push back against somebody that I actually agreed with. I think is what that was. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Sometimes well, you get a common uh, name like Sean and John. We get wrapped up in a lot of bullcrap. You know what I mean? Sometimes that can just yeah. happen in the world of radio. What are you gonna do? Well, as far as what that other guy said, the Colts are an act of God away, not just a freaking whatever the hell he said. Tight end quarterback. They're an act yeah. of God away from competing, but. Anyways, I'm telling you, it's not it's not next year either, unless you're incredibly lucky. I mean, even if you do, and I think you have to somehow, some way, you have to to draft a quarterback that you believe is going to be the future. I, I think that's going to be easier, much easier said than done when it comes to it in this draft. And, you know, you look at what the Steelers are going through right now with Kenny Pickett. You can see that front and center. It's going to take a minute, too. And people around here, and I don't blame them, Sean, people around here are sick and tired of waiting on this group to get it right. Sick and tired of it. Don't blame them at all. Absolutely. And it feels like the 1980s all over again. <laughs> Sean, I appreciate that. And congratulations to Whiteland. I will tell you this. As far as the 1980s, um, how do they say it where I'm from? Uh, it ain't that bad because uh, that was bad. But, again, back then you didn't care because you had a football team, right? You had a football team, and, hey, we got a football team, and that's wonderful. But I'm good. Thank you. But back then, or but now I should say, you get these expectations, and you get, well, this is what we're going to be, and this is what I expect as the owner. And you start talking about all these expectations and not – not just near missing and, oh, darn it, you know what, so close, but nah. When you whiff dramatically as this team has, and you have found ways to screw this up, makes it worse. Makes it worse. Buffalo Wild Wings and Fishers, 116 and Oleo. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving with friends and family. And a weekend, um, I just kind of hung out. I almost tripped the light fantastic, Kyle, yesterday. I bought it, but I didn't do it yet. I'm thinking about painting all the baseboards in my house. I almost did it. I thought, what? you know what? What would the Thanksgiving weekend be without me painting baseboards? Now, here's what I have to ask some of those master around-the-house renovators would I be better off taking the baseboards off and painting them or painting them while they're on? It seems like to be more of a pain in the ass to take them off, paint them, and then put them back on. What say you? If it was up to me, I'd just tape around them and paint them right on there. I'm taping around those son of a guns. You know, if I drip paint, then so be it. You, can, you know what? The drip paint, drip paint in your house is a sign that work has been done here. Work has been done here. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that. Quick break, and we'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you at 239-1070, query top of the hour, and we're going to get to Ray Fittipaldi, who covers the Steelers. And we'll talk about the Steelers adapting to their new quarterback scene, something that the Colts are going to be with somebody coming out of college, I would have to think relatively soon, certainly this offseason, right? We'll have to get used to as well how it's going in Pittsburgh, and then 
What I'm most concerned about tonight with a team that the Colts should, again, should be able to beat, my biggest concern tonight regarding the Steelers with both Ray Fittipaldi of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and we'll do that with you coming up next at 239-1070. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings, 116 in Oleo and Fishers on a blue Monday with our friends from Bud Light as well. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you did. (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. This is a live show. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings and Fishers. That's 116 in Oleo. Buffalo Wild Wings, Blue Monday, great food. You got Monday night footballs on the big screens in here. Yeah, you'll be able to watch it here, obviously, downtown. I'm going to get you to 5.30 to the Colts pregame huddle. I'll direct that show with the Goreman, Joe Wrights, and Bill Brooks from Touchdown Town. That starts at 5.30. Remember, Hank FM for the game for the Steelers and the Colts on Monday night tonight, 93.5 and 107.5 later on this evening. That has the Pacers and the Lakers. Round two in L.A. for the Pacers this time the Lakers, that pregame show was at 10, 10.30 is the tip time. Polly writes this, the question isn't paint your baseboards or take it off the wall. It's why the hell aren't you paying someone to do it? You know, I got some inspiration yesterday. I, I walked by, I was in, in Menards, and I walked by, and I, I thought, saw the paint, and I go, you know what? I think I'm going to paint some baseboards. I did. I got some inspiration yesterday. So I bought all the stuff. The stuff sitting there waiting for the back half of my inspiration to take shape. We'll see if it does. But thank you for that great advice. I'll leave the baseboards on, put the tape down, and have at it like I'm van freaking go right here. Buffalo Wild Wings again. Fishers, 116 and Oleo. Ray Fittipaldi covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. He is Jake Query joining us right now. This is not quite Jake tonight on Monday Night Football, a playing for pride game just yet. And to keep any thought whatsoever of hope going for this Colts team, it is a win situation all the way around. How do you view this thing, or maybe better yet, for a fan base and an owner, and an organization that has cried over the years because they haven't had a Monday night game and they get one. How do you view that? Do you view this as a big game or has it lost a little bit of luster on both sides because of the way both teams have played? I don't think there's any doubt that the answer is the latter, John. And by the way, good afternoon to you for having me. Um, Social media is not the end-all, be-all, but it gives you a barometer. I've seen a ton of people selling tickets. And, you know, for this morning, I I mean, if you would have asked in August or September, laying out 
the game plan for today, one would have assumed that with the morning show that it was going to be basically a Colts pregame show and a morning extension or, or I, I should right. say pre- prequel to what you're going to be doing th- this afternoon. And I would say that 60% of our show this morning was talking about Purdue's weekend because, you know, that's the big – I mean, there was obviously a lot that went on since we talked to folks last. But, look, mathematically speaking, the Colts are still in play for the playoffs. And I understand that so long as they're mathematically in play as professionals – they are owed to go for that. But realistically, does anybody see them, A, as a playoff team, and B, if they were to sneak in, somebody that can make any noise whatsoever? The answer is no to both. And so, you know, they they probably – if you're Jeff Saturday, you want to win games, probably, you know, just for the, for the obvious reason, right? I don't think anybody intentionally wants to lose games. But at some point, from a – tactical standpoint you start thinking towards the future and I really believe and people can feel free to send me a tweet and tell me that I'm wrong in this because and I'm asking them to actually but my gauge or my sense from the fan base is that people have looked at this season moving forward as nothing more than kind of an inventory of what they have and where they are for future reference, and I think people have written off this year. And that's the last place that Jim Mersey wants his franchise and his fan base to be. But I feel yeah. like that's where they are. It's Jay Query, the morning show on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And, and as I mentioned this a little bit earlier, the louder and the more boisterous the conversation comes, especially from the top of Jim Mersey about this team and the expectations of greatness, it seems like the more often and the worse things get – as far as this team and organization ever living up to anything they talk about? You know, here's the thing. Jim Mersey is a passionate owner. He's obviously, you know, the kicking the stigma. There are a lot of great things about Jim Mersey being the owner of your franchise within a market. So don't get me wrong. However, if you really look at when they've had the most success as a franchise, it's been when Jim Mersey has allowed others to do the talking for him. And I don't mean literally by words. I mean, it's where Jim Mersey has taken a back seat and let football people run the football franchise. And I've talked to a couple of people in the last couple of weeks that were around during Bob Ursay's era that have said, and I don't mean from the substance standpoint, I want to be very clear on that, but just in terms of involving within the franchise and meddling, if you will, that this is the closest that he has been to his dad. And his dad was very unpredictable. His dad, And, you know, that was fueled by the alcoholism, obviously. I don't think that's the case with Jim Irsay. I think Jim Irsay is fueled by an overwhelming passion to be able to offset what happened to him when he was a general manager, which was lackluster results by his own admission. And I think that he has just convinced himself, and I'm not saying he may be right, I don't know, that he knows more about the franchise and well, certainly he does about the franchise, but how to win than those around him. And I think that he is getting involved in decision-making. And and I think there are people that are really hesitant about that, but I think that's what's going on because right now the three most important positions in any franchise, the coach, the general manager, the quarterback, all three of those, nobody even knows who they're going to be next year. That's not a good place to be. No, it's it's not, and I, I think the the biggest point about this, and there's no doubt right now, if you're talking about the the most disappointing team 
in the NFL. Certainly the, the culture and the conversation, but Green Bay would probably take that honor in a landslide as of right now, following again well, another Rams, loss. I, I said the same thing. And, and the, I guess the Rams, yeah, the Rams could be because they're the defending champs. I, I just think with with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and their overall record, they'd probably be there. But, yeah, I mean, we could certainly debate both points. It just seems to me that the way this team has been constructed, and, and even more so than the patchwork they have done over and over again with the quarterback, the way that's been constructed, you know, supposedly the path to these, these championships within the AFC South and long runs of the postseason or multiple Lombardis, that's completely broken down. And I don't – to me, there's no going back to it. There's no going back to, you know, trying to all of a sudden revitalize this or breathe some life into it. I, I, just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I see, think we've seen the high point with it, and I think from here on out, you have to find yourself a new path. John, I, I hate saying this, and we're all guilty of it, so I'm not necessarily trying to single out Jim Mercer. However, arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL played here for, what, 13 seasons? Mm-hmm. I think that automatically allowed the fan base – probably some of the teammates and the media in this town to just automatically divert to thinking that it's not that difficult, that, that it's not that hard to climb to the top, especially when you went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck and immediately had success with Andrew Luck right out of the box and you're right back in the postseason and you're right in the thick of the conversation. I think Jim Irsay, by human nature, fell victim to what every fan of the Indianapolis Colts fell victim to, to what most of the media fell victim to, and that was that it isn't that difficult. And the reality is the norm is what you saw yesterday with the Bears and the Jets playing. Two franchises that are rolling out quarterbacks, so you're like, wait, now who's this guy again? When did he get there? That's the norm. That's, that's the norm in the NFL. And in Indianapolis, we became accustomed to thinking that that was the anomaly, and they are now finding themselves in the norm and the norm is like a swirling pool of water, and it's really difficult to swim out of it. And that's exactly where they are. All right, Jay Quarry joins us. I, I want to move a little bit forward here to tonight's game because as it stands right now, there is still hope. Some fans still believe that, is, that hope is there, and it will come to an absolute crushing and done situation if they lose tonight. This is a team in Pittsburgh that they have struggled whatsoever to beat Basically, over you know more than a handful of years here, going way back, this is a game that they should win tonight. What is at the top of the list of things that absolutely has to happen if Colts fans want to see a winner on Monday Night Football against a team that has had their number and owned them over the years? Protect the quarterback is numbers one, two, and three, and that's going to be their biggest challenge, right? Um, and then the other one is, but at the same time, I don't know that you need to score a lot of points tonight because Pittsburgh's offense, I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett, I mean, you can't let him get comfortable. I, that's weird to say about a rookie quarterback who's still finding his footing and I think on the year has three touchdowns and eight picks. You know, he's throwing to one of his primary receivers is also a rookie. I mean, their offense has its own struggles. So you don't need to score a lot of points, but you've got to score points by protecting the quarterback or for that matter, being able to run the football 
not like you got to keep the ball out of Pittsburgh's hands per se, but that's Indianapolis's bread and butter. But that offensive line, John, the same story that it's been all year long for the Colts is the big one tonight because if there's an area where Pittsburgh is good, it's on their defensive front four and their ability to get to the quarterback, and that's going to be Indianapolis's big test. Yeah, and people have asked me, all right, this team in Pittsburgh's bad. So is there anything that is a holdover from a regime that obviously is trying to you know, transform itself uh, from the past and now to the present? And the one thing that holds true is that capability up front of harassing the quarterback. And that is something that the Colts have given up more times than they haven't with this offensive line and this particular quarterback this season. I completely agree. Top three easily is being able to protect Matt Ryan, who not only struggles in being protected, but oftentimes struggles in protecting himself. You know, it's, it's funny, John. We, we both just kind of answered two questions in one there. Because to your point, when you think of Pittsburgh, what do you think of? You think of aggressive defense, hard-nosed, tough, tough to get yardage out of. And part of that's just because that's what they've been for 40 years, despite the personnel changes. Baltimore falls into that same category. You know, you think, oh, Baltimore's got a great defense. Do they? I don't know. But, I mean, you think about Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and, you know, the great players they've had. And I think when you think about Indianapolis, you just automatically assume with the Colts, great quarterback, great quarterback, high-fly offense. That's not what they are. But it's what we feel like they are because it's what we're so accustomed to. And I, I think that the truth is there. For, in Pittsburgh's case, they've been able to, to this year live up to that reputation. In the Colts' case, they have not. Jay Query joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So the Colts have led, I believe, seven out of the eight quarters in which Jeff Saturday has been the interim head coach. Is you know that just a coincidence, or is there anything deeper to look at this? I know part of it is a product of being unable to close games, which was here before Jeff Saturday got here and still remains. But is there a product of this that we see from Jeff Saturday taking over? Yeah, it does feel – I mean, certainly – now, is this going to be long-term? I don't know. But certainly for some of those quarters, the offensive line play was competent, and it wasn't elsewhere. I, you know, it, it struggled. Now, I think it reverted back a little bit um, at times against Philly, which, you know, some of those games feel like now, like three, three months ago. But, no, I think that they – and this is – to answer your first question, John, about – the direction of the Colts for the season and how it plays in tonight. Tonight, what, what we learned tonight is this, and that is that oftentimes when you have a coaching change, you get a jolt. Teams get an energy and you think, whoa, okay, look, this is why they made the change. They, they, you know, what a big win. And that energy lasts for like a game or two. Right. But it's been some time off now. They've, you know, they've, they've, they've been inside the complex. Things are settling down a little bit. Life has kind of moved on after all of the chaos. So now is when we really find out who they really are. And so I think tonight will probably answer that question for you of, hey, is this indeed they're doing some things differently and they're doing it better under Jeff Saturday and they have more energy? Or was that just kind of a jolt? for a game or two or maybe even a, a, a letdown in terms of preparation from their opponent because all the chaos going on with the Colts, they didn't, you know, they, they lag back a little bit. And I think tonight we find that out. I do think they'll win tonight just because I don't think Pittsburgh can score enough points. But I think tonight, do I expect them to come out and look like a house of fire? I don't. My fear is that this is going to be one of those games that 
if you're living in, you know, Mesa, Arizona, and you're like, oh, it's Monday Night Football, and you flip it on, you're like, really? It, really? This is it. My fear is it could be an ugly game, but I do think they'll win. I'm curious. Go back to the offensive line for a moment. Who you think ultimately, and I, we can look at Chris Strasser, and now obviously Jeff Saturday's in charge prior to that Frank Reich. Why, why is it that they have so begrudgingly decided to hand out any, any extra protection whatsoever, any help whatsoever with key pieces on that offensive line? And, and we'll start with the rookie left tackle. It just seems like that they just put him out there and said, all right, either you sink or swim here, and more times than not, he's sunk. Why is that? Because what other options do you have? And probably. I, I mean, you know, I think, I think the offensive line, and you and I have talked about this, I, I have, and I, I do. And I'm, I'm talking about help. I'm not talking about with a starting position. I mean, they're going with Ryman, and we understand that, but. You would think at times they would try to maybe slide some help, and I don't know, maybe that's just well, a product of, of tied in where you don't have anybody that's capable of doing too much as far as protection or added protection is concerned. Uh, I mean, you're not a team with a fullback. I, I mean, it seems like a variety of things you could try to do instead of oftentimes just kind of sit there and take it. I, I don't disagree, but didn't we all have that guy that we grew up with that by the time you were like 20 years old, you know, you're like, you know what, I, like I've tried everything to like, help him get his life in order and he's just not a bad guy but he's just kind of a mess i mean i i think there are multiple players on that line that it doesn't matter what combination what backup what help what rotation you're going to get if a guy can't play a guy can't play and i think and then you have in addition to that and this is what i was going to say i i i'm i i don't know if the personal tragedies are a reason for it, and if so, then heartfelt, you know, under, understood by all stretch of the imagination. But I think that with an offensive line, much of the cohesiveness of a line starts with solid play at the center position. And I think Ryan Kelly's inconsistency at the center position has caused breakdowns elsewhere that has prohibited you from being able to even with some of the different pieces and combinations you try you're just not getting the stability in the interior that you need quentin nelson's guilty as well no no doubt about it they just haven't gotten any consistency from anybody on that line i i just i think even beyond that i think the coaching staff is on the hook for this because it seems like that there were there would be a variety of things to try to do and and i know everybody laughs when i mention fullback but you look at jonathan taylor jonathan taylor has nowhere to go and it would seem like that trying to, to open up holes would be essential to help that offense. And it just hasn't seemed like that the Colts have tried everything. Now, maybe they have. Maybe I'm completely unknowing to it. But in watching it this season, it doesn't seem like that they've tried everything to help this offensive line. It seems like every week they sit back and they go, all right, well, with a quarterback and his um, you know veteran presence and with you know, the talent we believe this group has at some point is going to come together. And either because of the quarterback or because of the offensive line group itself, it just simply hasn't. And it's been the major detriment to this team as to why they find themselves right now where they are. Yeah, I, I think there has been at times just enough of a percolation of competency to give them a false hope or a false belief that things can be turned around. And I don't think they can this year, period. I mean, to answer your question, you know, mathematically still, yes. 
that. But I almost feel like, John, and you tell me if you disagree, I almost feel like it might be in the fans' best interest for the Colts to drop the game tonight. Now, I don't mean drop it literally. I mean to just to, to lose, to come up short tonight. Because at some point, you've got to – at some point, you got to rip off the Band-Aid and say, we're, we're, we're just – we're playing for next year. We're playing for, towards building. But the problem is you have different people with what would seemingly be different incentives for that not to be the case. If you're Chris Ballard, you're probably wanting – for things to be in the best position towards helping to build the next year and getting as many assets as possible if you're going to stay as the GM. If you're Jeff Saturday, you want to win games because you want to be able to show that you can win games as an NFL head coach and prove the doubters wrong. If you're Jim Ursay, you're wanting to stay relevant so that people are talking about you and you're selling tickets and you're getting season ticket renewals. You know, if you're Jaquiel Leonard, you have no idea whether or not you're even going to play next year. If you're, I mean, there are literally like all areas of the team you don't have people that are cruising along at the same agenda. It should be that everybody's interest is the exact same thing, and that's winning football games. But unfortunately, I think there are some people that winning football games is of greater priority to what to where they are than, than others. Again, not at the fault of anybody, but that's just how things have fallen here in the last month of what's been chaos within the franchise. Jay Query joins us morning show 7 until 10 a.m. here. It's weekday mornings on The Fan. Again, 97.1 Hank FM for the game itself. I'm going to take you to that point here with this show and then the Colts pregame huddle beginning at 5.30 to follow. Pacers-Lakers can be heard tonight beginning at 10 a.m. Check that, 10 p.m. tonight with the pregame show right here. 10.30 is that tip from L.A. Lakers and the Pacers this evening. Boilermakers all the way up to number five. 24 to number five, and then rightly so. And and people will suggest, because a lot of Purdue fans don't want to get ahead of themselves because they've been disappointed before, but this has been, to me, the most impressive start of any team across the board in college basketball. And somebody had asked me a little bit earlier what I thought the difference was between last year and this year so far, and it's twofold. And maybe it won't last, but as we sit here and talk right now, as good as Jaden Ivey was, some would kind of get caught up in waiting for Jaden Ivey to perform his greatness. And the other thing, when you're Zach Eady, you go from 19 minutes per game to now 29, I think that it also has helped them team-wise with Travion Williams moving on because you couldn't play these guys together Whereas Edie can be out there with, for example, Caleb first, and they still play well together. Those are two things I start with with how this team has looked so far. How about you? Hey, two things. Number one, preseason polls are always kind of bunk. And if they waited until a month in to rank teams, produce the number one team in the country because there, there are not four teams ahead of them that have, yeah. to this point, accumulated a better resume. But it's November. I get it, right? Number two, Totally agree with you about Jaden Ivey. I said it this morning. Jaden Ivey's a wonderful player and was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. But I think at times when he had the ball, the other four people on the floor saw him as a hell of a player that were a lot of fun. To, that was a lot of fun to watch. And so when Jaden Ivey had the basketball, oftentimes you would have four guys on the floor with him that just naturally were, to your point, waiting to see what he was going to do. When Braden Smith has the ball in his hands you have four guys that Braden Smith's waiting to see what they do so that he can facilitate and get the ball where it needs to be. And more often than not, that's obviously with Zach Eady, who has shown 
a remarkable, I think, more like versatile movement offensively than he did even a year ago. I mean, l- listen, the guy for Purdue that deserves a ton of credit, a ton of credit, is Brandon Brantley. His ability to continue to develop big men for Purdue is remarkable. He, he Brandon Brantley was a good player. He's a great coach, clearly, because guys come through there and they absolutely develop as a big man for Matt Painter. They're fun to watch. They're balanced. Yeah. They guys like Caleb first to your point are making the extra pass. You know, guys like, you know, Mason Gillis are hitting open shots and they're distributing the ball and they look like they enjoy playing with one another. And um, to, as of right now, long way to go, but what they've done that's huge is they have put themselves in position now where come March, assuming that the wheels don't fall off, they already have three really impressive, quote, quality wins for their resume that's going to help their seeding, assuming that they have a good season in the Big Ten. So, Jay Quay, before I let you go, I want to bring up the Pacers. They play in L.A. against the Lakers tonight. Uh, yesterday, I don't know if they just kind of climbed off the plane and off the bus and played yesterday, but they weren't into it. Um, and, you know, I'm a huge Miles Turner supporter here, but I guess this team being, <clears throat> how should I put it, Zubotsed, in the fashion in which they were yesterday, does that take away a lot of the goodness that Miles has had? I say no, but people basically tell me to go to hell when I say that and say all kinds of things to me and you know, call me an apologist and say I need to apologize. Now, these are numb nuts, and I really probably shouldn't consider it, but I'm asking you. Somebody this is kind of an innocent bystander in all this. Does that take away anything that has been accomplished so far with the way that they got Zubots in that game against the Clippers yesterday? To me, it does not. And with Miles Turner, the people who are in charge were really curious to see what Miles Turner was going to be able to do in playing with Tyrese Halliburton. So you have to almost throw out some of the stuff or the Miles Turner by reputation that we've seen for years. I know that sounds crazy and it's contradictory to what I was saying earlier about the NFL. But this is they're playing at a different style and a different pace, and it fits Miles Turner. It fits the way he plays, and he has responded to it and responded to it in all means by looking like a guy that you can run with and you need to keep around for a while. And I do think they should. Whether they do or not, I don't know. They're going to have to weigh whether or not they think that they are ready to be able to let this group grow together or it needs a few more pieces. And if it needs a few more pieces, it probably comes at the expense of Miles Turner. But I am with you. I am with you in the fact that I've seen enough this year in terms of his, the way that he plays and the way that this particular group, look, we've seen in the past, Andrew Bynum, when there were Pacer teams that were gelled together and unified and in it together. And then all of a sudden the front office got too cute for itself and it ruined the chemistry of the team. This team, one of the things that it has, aside from youth, is they really enjoy playing with each other. I really do believe that. And, yeah, that can only take you so far, but they also clearly have some talent, and it's young talent. So if they enjoy being around one another, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now, I'm not saying that they are unbroken because they're young. But at the same time, I like the pieces that are there, and I think that that they have – enough pieces in terms of the draft in the next two years to complement it without totally blowing it up. And I'm curious to see where they go with it. Hey, Jake, quick thing before I let you go. Do you think at all, if the Boilermakers football-wise get worked over, 
by Michigan on Saturday? Does it matter? At this point, are they playing with the proverbial house money in that game at Lucas Oil Stadium Saturday? That's the term I used this morning, buddy. I mean, people are going to be excited to go down there and watch them. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, hey, I I know of one house in Indianapolis that's actually a house divided. I know of one house where one daughter went to Purdue and one daughter went to – and two daughters went to Michigan, right? And and I think they're probably still all rooting for Purdue because of the story. So the DeMarses might have two flags flying, but I think deep down they're all rooting for Purdue because it's a great story for Purdue. And certainly Hart goes out to Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. And just, you know, the strength and all of that. But, look, it's great for Purdue. It was a great weekend for Purdue Athletics. It was as good a weekend for Purdue Athletics as any college athletics program I've seen in this market in a long time. I tell you what, it's needed around here, too, because mostly it's been bad. You ain't kidding. And mostly we've been negative. And I I tell everybody all the time, we get tired of being negative. I mean, at some point you want to be positive. And uh, the Boilermakers let out a little positivity for us to all talk about today, which is nice. Yep. Why we talked a lot about them this morning. All right. Tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m. You guys will have that reaction of Monday night football. I didn't see. Did you pick the Colts to win? Uh, I believe I said 20 to 12 the Colts would win. I don't think Pittsburgh has enough points. I say. I think I picked the Colts, too. I haven't picked the Colts in a number of weeks and I did tonight. And of so, that twenty, I, of that twenty, I think at least one score comes for the Colts from the defense. Twenty-three twenty, I think is what I said. So yeah, somewhere okay. in that neighborhood. All right, you buddy, I there? appreciate you. What's up? All right, I'll see you down there. You got it, man. It's Jake Query right, right there, the morning show. Kevin and Query weekday mornings here on the fan. Yeah, I'm here right now, but I'll be down there a little bit later on. Monday night football is in town. Now, that's all taking place downtown, 530. We're going to go to the Colts pregame huddle, and I will navigate, I will direct, I will guide the show along with the Goreman, Joe Wrights, and Bill Brooks. They're going to be in touch downtown. I'm going to be right here where I'm sitting right now, 116 in Olio. Buffalo, Wild Wings, Blue Monday, Chargers, Colts tickets to give away an autographed helmet, and I believe we've got some, some wrestling coming up too. What is that? Is it AEW? I think that's the uh, Farmers Coliseum coming up as well. We got some of those tickets to give away as well. Plus, your chance to win Bullseye both tonight for the Monday Niner. And then, if you're a Boilermaker fan, for example, before that title game coming up on Saturday, got the opportunity for you to go to Bullseye to celebrate that pregame style. Going to have that opportunity coming up in just a bit. All right, top of the hour again. Ray Fittipaldi covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's going to join us. We'll talk about that and a lot more for you. Hey, we're live today in Fishers, 116 in Olio. It is a blue Monday with our friends at Buffalo Wild Wings, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't go away. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Hey, you going to stare all day or are you going to buy something? Uh, I'm going to stare all day. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, I can't thank you enough for being a part of this. It is a blue Monday. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings. This is the Fisher's location. Not too far from Geist, 116 in Oleo. My man Billy is out there right now. We've got tickets to the Chargers-Colts game coming up later on this season. We've got an autographed helmet to give away. 
And we've got a lot for you, too. I do want to remind you of this. I'm going to bail, but not so much bail. At 5.30, this show ends, and then I'm going to take over the reins, as I normally do, for the Colts pregame huddle. I'll be here. I'll be directing. I'll be guiding. I'll be navigating for the Gorman and a couple of former Colts players, offensive lineman Jill Wrights and wide receiver Bill Brooks. They will be staked out in touchdown town for you and I will make sure that their voices, opinions, and information and education gets from me to you in front of what is going to be a big Monday nighter. Monday night football is here in Indy tonight, so all the football world eyes will be on the Steelers and the Colts. And again, as we've talked about a little bit earlier, you look at this matchup, and although this Colts team, and really the Steelers for that matter, but certainly this Colts team, not anywhere in the neighborhood where you had thought, where you had hoped they would be. And while all seems to be lost, as of yet it isn't. Now, if you lose tonight, it certainly is going to be. But what you would like to see, in not a playing for pride game, you would like to see a little bit of pride extended here. And not just for a quarter here or there, but how about coming close to playing as a complete game, which simply we have not seen this season. I mentioned this to Jake a little bit earlier when he was on seven of eight quarters so far under Jeff Saturday. The Colts have played with a lead. They were just unable against the good team, one of the best teams in the NFL, to close it out against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles last week. They were able to do that in Vegas with a team that's not so good. Now you're going to see later on tonight another team that's not so good. So play four strong quarters of football. That's what I'm going to be looking for. And you know what? We're going to look for those that maybe aren't into it right now. I don't know how you wouldn't be into it right now, but maybe disappointment has prevailed. You'll look for those, and we'll talk about that coming up tomorrow. And no doubt, nobody is suggesting these guys are going to run off consecutive wins toward the end of the season and give themselves a legitimate chance. But as for tonight, Monday night football in front of everybody, you don't want to trip over your blank, I don't think, in front of everybody tonight, do you? And then you have a Steeler team coming in here that's had ownership of you over the years. How about putting something together and then beating a team that has, again, taken you to the woodshed over the years, and you haven't beat since going back to when your interim head coach was actually playing for this team. I don't think there's a lot to ask. Shouldn't be a lot to ask. Again, the Steeler team offensively is not anything that's going to scare you. Defensively, they're more like the old-school Steelers. Defensively, they're more like what you believe you're going to see when you see a Steelers team. Not much else is with this group, but up front. We're talking about Highsmith. They're talking about Watt. Being able to get after the quarterback. And we sit back and we kind of watch this team. You know, it's easy, to, I think, for us to sit here and say, well, you know what, they didn't come out and make any adjustments. Now, when that is said, normally I go, well, you probably wouldn't know an adjustment if it came up and kicked you in the ass, honestly. But it seems to me, as I talked to Jake about a little bit earlier, it's not like that they've exhausted all possibilities. I'm not talking about personnel. But I'm just talking about help. I'm talking about leaning here or there to not always leave, for example, your rookie left tackle hanging out out there or trying to find ways to be creative, to find a crease, a crevice, maybe develop a hole. 
for your all-world running back who just hasn't put up the all-world numbers this year. This doesn't seem like the Dave offensively exhausted enough. We'll see where they go with that in Monday, Monday Night Football coming up later on tonight. And I guess there's the overall thought that it has been a consistent cry of, hey, Monday night, prime time, stand alone, prime time. We deserve prime time. We haven't had prime time. Hasn't been here, what, since 2015 or whatever. Um, oftentimes it hasn't been earned. And really the play so far hasn't been earned either. So tonight go out and earn it. Now, regardless of your situation, where you sit, the level of disappointment, but go out and earn it. And do that with this in mind, trying to keep your fans invested that are going to find other things to check out if this season continues to go in the direction that it has. A couple of thoughts. We'll come back with you on the other side as well. Top of the hour. It hasn't been a great season in the Steel City either by any stretch of the imagination. They are in an evolution process offensively with Kenny Pickett. We'll talk about the rookie quarterback of the Steelers, the offense of the Steelers, and, again, that defensive group up front that looks a lot like what we expect it to look with Pittsburgh in mind. Ray Fittipaldi covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. 116 at Oleo, that's where we are right now. The great food, the fantastic service. And Monday Night Football, ice cold Bud Light, great food, Buffalo Wild Wings, Blue Monday, Chargers, Colts tickets, autographed helmet to give away, and more and some wrestling tickets as well. Don't go anywhere. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. JMV does not suck at all. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, I hope you're having a blast like we are. We're at 116 in Oleo, Buffalo Wild Wings, Blue Monday, Chargers Colts tickets to give away, an autographed helmet to give away. And I am going to do the Colts pregame huddle coming up in less than 30 minutes. I'm going to direct. I'm going to navigate. I am going to host from here and down in Touchdown Town. That's in Touchdown Town outside of Lucas Oil Stadium will be the Goreman and a couple of former Colts, offensive lineman Joe Wrights, wide receiver Bill Brooks. The Colts pregame huddle coming at you, bottom of the hour right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And remember, we switch over. 97.1 Hank FM has the game tonight. The Steelers-Colts matchup on Monday Night Football. That's 97.1 Hank FM. Now 93.5 and 107.5 at 10 p.m., Goals to pace a pregame. The Pacers out west. That's uh, number two of seven on this two-week-long Western road swing. It is LeBron and the Lakers hosting the Pacers tonight again. 10 p.m. is the pregame show, and 10.30 is that tip time. Joining us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray Fittipaldo, who's, I guess, already inside Lucas Oil Stadium. He's waiting for some things to start right now. Ray, thank you for the time. How are you? Um, excellent. How, how are you tonight? Fantastic. We're spread all over the place, but that's one of the enjoyments you get 
when you love sports like we do. We get spread a little bit thin, but that is good. I'm, I'm curious. I, I kind of, I, I guess I described the Steelers this season as follows a little bit earlier. There's not a lot that is reminiscent of those Steeler teams that have had ownership of the Colts over the recent history and certainly the longer-term past as well. But one of those that remains to be true is their ability to rush the quarterback, which has been a thorn in the side all season long for the Colts. Are they still doing that at a vintage type of Steeler level this season? No, not at a vintage Steelers type of level. And the reason for that was T.J. Watt missed almost two months because of pectoral and knee injuries. Tonight is his third game back. And um, I would suspect they'll get back to being more of that Steelers type of defense. Um, But no, the the sacks have not been there. And as a result, the turnovers haven't been there. You know, in in years past, you know, the, the, the Steelers would rush the passer they would create strip sacks. Uh, they would force quarterbacks into quicker decisions. And that really hasn't been the case this year. So they're hoping with a healthy T.J. Watt down the stretch that maybe their luck can change and they can get a few more wins here um, in the 2022 season. Hey, Ray, two things for you, too. Uh, how has it looked since T.J. Watt has returned? And then the other, I kind of look at this Steeler team as I did the Colts. They got after you know, obviously and handled a weak defensive front that the Raiders threw at him, but have been really unable to handle the better defensive fronts for a variety of reasons, protecting Matt Ryan over the course of the season. T.J. Watt, how has he looked? And then how would you expect them to look up front against what has been a disheveled most of the time offensive line of the Colts? Yeah, well, TJ, his look good. I thought uh, Lael Collins from the Bengals did a really good job on him last week. Uh, TJ had a half a sack, and he, he missed another sack. So um, he played well, but I thought Collins did a really good job on him. So um, the Colts, as you mentioned, haven't been um, as good protecting the quarterback this year. And it's not just TJ Watt. You know, Cam Hayward is now 33 years old, but he's still playing at a really high level. Larry Ogunjobi. Another defensive tackle has been up and down this year because of injuries, but he's finally looking like, um, you know, he's healthier. And then on the other side, Alex Highsmith um, is among the NFL leaders in sacks with eight and a half. Um, Now, he does get a lot of his sacks because there's so much attention paid to T.J. Watt, but he's good enough to uh, take advantage of those one-on-ones. And, um, you know, he did that again last week. He was credited with a half a sack um, against the Bengals. So, uh, as I said, with T.J. back, it's a very formidable um, front. You know, they're going to get after the Colts um, uh, in the pass rush today, and that's why they thought going into, into this game with Jeff Saturday now in charge, with Jonathan Taylor being more of a focal point, they have to stop the run. If they could stop the run at the, in, in this game, then they can get uh, Matt Ryan in situations where he has to pass the ball. They feel like that'll be an advantage for them. This has become a transitionary type of season, certainly in Pittsburgh, was this along the lines at all as to what was expected, the level of play throughout the season so far? Well, their hope was, you know, rookie quarterback, young and rebuilding offense. Um, they were hoping that the defense could carry them and that the defense could maybe get them in position where they could play, be a playoff contender. But that just hasn't happened. Um, you know, they're 28th in the league in total defense. I think they're 26th in scoring. And injuries have played a huge part in this. It's not just T.J. Watt. 
Um, they've had injuries in the back end. Akella Witherspoon, a starting corner for them, is going to miss uh, uh, another game tonight. He's missed six of the past seven now. And they've just been uh, kind of decimated by injuries in the secondary. And just, uh, you know, I, I know the Colts aren't really built for this, but teams have really been able to take advantage of them in the passing game. Last week, Joe Burrow had 355 yards and four touchdowns. And uh, you know, the Eagles, I think, threw four touchdown passes against them about a month ago. And I mean, it's just it's been those one one of those types of years for the Steelers secondary where the injuries have just caught up with them. So we'll see what the Colts can do tonight. You know, I, I know they want to establish Jonathan Taylor. I know he's been big for them in the two games since Saturday took over. I would expect that to continue, but I also know that they watch film too, and they know that Steelers secondary has been exposed. And I'm sure they're going to want to take their shots um, down, is, down the field as well. He is Ray Fittipaldo, covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's with us in the press box from Lucas Oil Stadium. The Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So the, the good and the bad of Kenny Pickett and how much of what you've seen from the rookie quarterback was expected once he was handed over the reins of that offense. Well, the good, he's very, uh, he's very athletic. He's mobile. He could make plays with his feet. Um, he's good scrambling in the pocket and creating time for himself. And the bad is just what you would expect with, with any rookie at quarterback, um, reading coverages, recognizing disguises from defensive coordinators. Um, he's just not there yet. And listen, that, I mean, that, that happens to every young quarterback in this league. I mean, people in Indianapolis are very familiar with Peyton Manning's rookie year, and then, you know, all of a sudden, year two, year three, then, um, you know, things slow down, and, and uh, you know, um, you know the Steelers are expecting things to slow, slow down for him, just probably not this season. So, um, yeah, rookie growing pains, I think everyone sort of expected it, but I think the one thing he does um, is he does make play with, plays with his feet now. Um, he's had over 50 yards running in two games this season, so he's been really good in that respect. So that's one thing the Colts defense is going to have to be aware of tonight. I'm curious, George Pickens, the rookie wide receiver, he was somebody that we had talked about because, you know, every single season all I do is spend like three hours a day talking about wide receivers that the Colts should draft. Now, they drafted Alec Pierce, who I think everybody likes around here, but 33 for 453 and two touchdowns this season. What's What has been the thought on George Pickens as a rookie wide receiver in Pittsburgh? He had a tremendous training camp, tremendous preseason, and uh, the talent is there. It's just a matter of finding that chemistry in the passing game with a rookie quarterback. So, I, you know, I think if you put George Pickens on a team with an established quarterback, he'd probably be leading the league in receiving. He is that kind of a talent. Um, he fell to the second round. There were some issues at Georgia. Um, you know, I'm sure people are well aware of what those were, but, you know, the Steelers have had no problems with him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a young guy, but he's also he's had the opportunity to work with Kenny Pickett really since the spring. And they, they both kind of worked themselves up from second and third teamers in training camp. You know, Pickett wasn't the starter here until week four. So they kind of have that chemistry going where they could fall back on what they did um, um, during the summer. And, you know, unfortunately for the Steelers, they didn't have that opportunity with number one receiver Deontay Johnson and some of the other guys in the passing game. So Kenny Pickett is having to learn on the run with those guys, and you, that's why you quite, quite haven't seen the production, um, you know, that uh, you know that they need right now in the passing game. But Pickett and Pickens, 
Um, as long as those guys stay healthy, I think that's going to be a combination you hear a lot about in the years to come. Is that, is that something you could see? I mean, have there been moments that uh, are great examples with them hooking up where you can see, you know, a level of, of elite play between quarterback and wide receiver for years to come oh. there in Pittsburgh? Undoubtedly. I mean, George Pickens is a freak of an athlete. I mean, I I watched him all summer make plays that, um, you know, quite frankly, you just don't see in the NFL all that often. So, um, yeah, I think once the chemistry um, uh, develops, and listen, the offensive line hasn't been good either, so you need protection to throw the ball down the field. George Pickens is that type of player. He needs to, um, you know, win on those 30- and 40-yard routes down the field. So um, once the protection gets better, once Kenny Pickett gets better, that's when you're going to see George Pickens take off. He's already having a good season. I think he's third among rookie receivers in the league in yards. He's got three touchdowns. I know Pierce maybe has four. There might be one other rookie who has more. But, um, you know, he, he's putting up production in less than ideal circumstances. I think you're going to see the best George Pickens in years to come. Ray Fittipaldo covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with his via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He's down at Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings and Fishers. That's uh, 116 in Olio on a blue Monday here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, this may be a silly question to ask because I certainly haven't heard anything, but obviously I don't live in, in the bubble that you do in covering the Steelers in Pittsburgh. But how have the fans been with the dis- disappointing season, the transition in terms of their view of Mike Tomlin and his leadership? Yeah, well, I think any time, you know, you're a winning organization like the Steelers, and, you know, the, the Colts have certainly been this over the years as well, there's going to be, um, you know, some criticism of the head coach when things go sour. But I think most fans who understand the situation, right, a rookie quarterback, rebuilding offensive line, injuries on defense, I think – not that you can explain away the three and seven record, but there are certainly reasons why they've struggled to this point. So, you know, Mike Tomlin is in no danger of losing his job. He's got a job with the Steelers, um, you know, pretty much as, as long as he wants one. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think when you have a spoiled fan base, a team that expects to be in the playoffs every year, these kinds of years are difficult. But again, they're expected when you're moving on from a guy like Ben Roethlisberger to a rookie. Um, like Kenny Pickett. Well, you know, it's funny about that, too, is, and, and you, know, you get this in the media, but certainly you get this in the world of social media and fans. There probably hasn't been a lot of reason to go at Mike Tomlin for the product that's been on the field in Pittsburgh forever. And then once you get the opportunity, right, people take advantage of that opportunity. And, you know, whether or not it's the coach's fault, it's just this transition situation they're in. In this world of social media, they take advantage of that opportunity when it's given, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the one, the one reason he is hearing it a lot more from fans this year is, number one, he's a guy who cut his teeth as a defensive coach in this league, and this defense has really underperformed. You look at T.J. Watt, um, I think before Aaron Donald signed that big deal, he was the highest-paid defensive player in the league. Um, they have a, a defense that's making – um, it's the highest-paid defense in the league. They pay those guys more than $100 million, um, and they haven't performed up to the, the standards that you know, everyone thought w- was going to happen this year. And it's not only Mike Tomlin. You know, you got Brian Flores, um, who was brought on staff this year. They thought Brian was going to be a bigger factor and you know, maybe help them become a dominant defense. you got Terrell Austin, 
who's been a longtime coordinator in this league for the Lions and the Bengals and a couple of other teams. And uh, he's a guy who has a lot of expertise. But, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's the injuries or, um, you know, it's what maybe some teams kind of figured out the Achilles heel of the Steelers defense, it just hasn't worked this year. So, you know, we'll see if Watt's presence down the stretch can, can maybe get them back to being that dominant type of defense that they expected. But like I said, um, you know, through the first 10 games of the season, it certainly hasn't looked like it thus far. Hey, Ray, would this team have been able to offensively navigate it to at least challenge within the division, you know, be more of a threat within the division of the AFC had the defense not experienced injuries and ineffective play, or would this offense still take a lot more than certainly what they're going to be able to give defensively? Yeah, I, I, I don't think they would have been a, a playoff contender. I think they're 3-7 and seven now. If their game plan would have worked, right, dominant defense, score enough points to win, I think the best they can expect to be right now is probably 5-5. Five and five. And in the end, in the AFC, I don't know that 9-8 and eight is going to be enough to get you into the playoffs this year. Um, there are so many good teams in this conference that are just knocking each other off every single week. So, I, you know, I think for the Steelers, it was going to be um, a transition year all along. It's kind of been a tougher transition year than they expected because of what's going on on the defense. And, I get, again, the hope next year is defense comes back, the, the nucleus is intact, none of these guys are um, – are free agents, all their important guys are under contract. So the hope is get back to being a dominant defense again next year. Kenny Pickett, in year two, you continue to build around him, and then maybe next year you can get back on track to where you're a playoff contender again. He's Ray Fittipaldo, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Monday Night Football is the Steelers and the Colts coming up later on tonight. I did want to get to this because, historically speaking, I mean, Pittsburgh plays defense and they also run the football Najee Harris in year number two. How has that been with his 550 and three TDs and under four yards per carry? What's the viewpoint in Pittsburgh with that in mind? Yeah, I mean, he, he had a Liz Frank injury in training camp, missed almost all of training camp. And uh, while he's played in every game this season, I think that injury really took a toll on his play early in the season. Um, uh, he wasn't decisive in his cuts. I think more recently, um, he's been better. And I think, again, you know, I talked about the offensive line being a young offensive line and, and really trying to um, um, come into its own. It's not there yet, not in pass protection, and certainly not in the running game. So, um, you know, it's interesting. You look at this, this, this offense, you have Kenny Pickett, you have Najee Harris, you have Pickens, you have a good young tight end, Pat Fryermuth, who I think is probably one of the top ten tight ends in the NFL. They have the pieces around him to make it work. But, again, the infrastructure, the lines of scrimmage, that's where the Steelers have to focus, um, you know, on the draft here in, in a few months. I think they can – they need a franchise left tackle. They could use a guard, and uh, they could probably use a center down the road too. So it's going to be an important year for, the, for this team, um, you know, once, um, once February kicks in. Um, they have to rebuild this offensive line. I, I, the Colts know this. The Steelers know this over the years. That's how you build championship teams. And right now, they just don't have a championship caliber offensive line. You know, what's funny about this, Ray, is you mentioned Fryermuth, and it's almost like that they construct these Steeler tight ends in a factory, and they just kind of roll them off the assembly line. 
I mean, I, these guys, I mean, it, you go back to Heath Miller, guys like that. It seems like these guys are all the same with a high level of production. And you can, you can honestly count on what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, he, he is very reminiscent of Heath Miller in the passing game. I, I will say Heath Miller was so well-rounded. I think Heath was a better blocker than Pat is. But I think that's also just a byproduct of how the college game is now. And I don't think any of these tight ends coming out now are really well-versed in, in run blocking. But, you know, Pat's getting there. Um, you know, if you look at the stats, I, I think he's number one or number two among Steelers receivers, um, both in targets and in, in catches and yards. And he's just been very productive for them. And I, I will, I'll say the same thing about Pat that I said about George. I think the best for him is yet to come. Build that offensive lineup. Let Kenny Pickett sort of learn how it works. And um, that guy is going to put up a 1,000-yard season pretty soon here. He, he, is, he is a very talented, very smart, very tough football player. And I think his uh, best football is yet to come as well. I, I mean, you bring up a great point, too, because he obviously uh, left tackle and addressing the offensive line in the offseason is a need. But quarterback of the future, you know, running back, once he's completely healthy um, and gets back on track, you've got the tight end, and then you've got an ever-evolving, what many people believe to be maybe one of these days, elite-level wide receiver in the NFL. So uh, there are reasons to feel good, even in a disappointing season record-wise, and what Steeler fans are seeing right now. Absolutely, and I'll be back here in, uh, what, February or March for the Combine. I'll be talking about all the offensive tackles and all the all the things that they need to uh, get back on track in 2023. So it uh, should be a fun offseason. It's funny, we're, we're barely in, in December yet. It's still November, and uh, I think both the Colts and the Steelers are looking forward to, uh, to the Combine and what they have to do to get better um, next season. Yeah, that kind of makes you sick. I wish you hadn't brought that up. Why'd you bring that up, Ray? <laughs> I was feeling all good about it, and then you brought that up. So, hey, Maybe I appreciate you. I, I appreciate what you've uh, done for jumping on here, too. Again, Ray Fittipaldo, you can find him at Ray Fit one at Ray Fit one who does a great job in covering the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And Ray, enjoy the Monday night game down there, and uh, – I'm assuming that one of these days, relatively soon, we'll do it again. Thank you. I right, appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Ray Fittipaldo right there, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, Buffalo Wild Wings. We are in Fishers today, by the way. 116 in Oleo. Next week on a Blue Monday, we're in Greenfield. So next week in Greenfield for this show, what has been really, these Mondays have been great. So we're going to start a run now of these Buffalo Wild Wings locations where next week we go to Greenfield. The week after that, we go to Franklin. There's a Shelbyville mixed in. There's also a Columbus, Indiana that's going to be mixed in. And I think we come, we come back to Indy, I think, for the final one of the season. But for those of you that go, hey, man, you never get out here, you never go here, we are seriously Greenfield next week, and then further down the road, once we get into the tail end of the season and the final month of the season, we're going to be in Shelbyville, we're going to be in Franklin, we're going to be in Columbus, um, and it is going to be a fantastic time in doing so. Cannot wait to see everybody out there for that. We have an autographed Colts helmet to give away. We have tickets to see the Chargers and the Colts also to give away. And this reminder, tomorrow's show is going to be not so far away. I'm going to be at the Ale, basically across the street, 116, right across the street tomorrow. 
And here's why. I'm going to be there for the Indy 11. Tomorrow, not only are we going to recap Monday Night Football tonight, obviously, the Steelers and the Colts. We'll recap the Pacers and the Lakers tonight, too. But tomorrow, you got one a either win or you're done situation for the Americans. USA and Iran coming up tomorrow at 2 in the World Cup in what I think has been outstanding. I mean, you talk about some entertainment value. I have been highly entertained by the World Cup so far. And uh, tomorrow, it is a large contest, to say the least. And we'll be there for you with our friends from the Indy 11 right across the street at the AL Emporium up here in Geis that's coming up tomorrow. I'd love to see you out there. Uh, We'll recap this game, of course. As I mentioned, recap the Pacers and the Lakers. That is game two of their seven-game Western Road Swing coming at you later on tonight. That game can be heard right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Keep that in mind. And as I mentioned, we are going to be here coming up. Uh-oh, what is this right here? Oh, who is that? Oh, yeah, I got you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah, what did I say? I'm sorry. Later on tonight, you're going to be able to make the switch here. 97.1 Hank FM for the Monday Night Football game between the Steelers and the Colts. So we'll take you right here up until the game, and then obviously 97-1 Hank FM, but you guys are used to that anyway. All right, more to come from the Buffalo Wild Wings location right here in Fishers 116 in Olio. We're going to give away the autographed helmet and the tickets, but we also bring in the Goreman, Joe Wrights and Bill Brooks, the Colts pregame huddle. All the insight you need Two large locations. They're staked out in Touchdown Town. We bring them to you coming up on the other side. The Colts pregame huddle. Monday night football in Indy. And we got it all for you next right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't go anywhere.